Today's first thought wrong is going to be Vicky. She won the toss. And after that, I've got a definition for today's episode. Definition corner. Okay, first thought wrong. Um, you know, what I've been finding as I've been doing this intensive leadership work is I am just shining the lights on many different sides of me, but mostly it's the sides that are um, pretty consistent. (laughs) And um, one of those is impatience and um, (laughs) impatience and needing to be in control, actually. I didn't realize that I was a control freak and people say it all the time um, that I'm like that. And I don't, I don't believe it. And, and so anyway, um, you know, I was having a great day. I was on fire. I was, I was, I was connecting with people. I was doing all the things. I felt so good. I came downstairs. I had asked my daughter to do the dishes, um, before that. I think the dishes have come up before, but I had asked her to do the dishes. (laughs) And, um, we kind of got into it and it was really just, I couldn't, I had to keep getting the last word and, and, and what I, what I contemplated when I was done being downstairs and, and, and respond, reacting and having all this, you know, uncomfortableness was that every time I have a good day, it's almost like I stir up a fight. It's almost like I, I, and I don't even realize I'm doing it, but it's pretty consistent. So what I'm going to get curious about is what can I do differently in that moment? What can I do differently? So uh, first thought wrong is getting the last word, <laughs> controlling the situation, needing to know. I'm like, what time will you have it done by? You know, and it's just, I have this thing with time too. So anyways, this is a learning process that we're all going through together. And um, and now before our wonderful guest, Katie Hendricks, uh before we start the episode with her, we are going to hear Definition Corner from Miss Lynn. Thank you, Vicki. Before that, I would like to say, Vicki, your conflict is with your teenage daughter who knows how to push her buttons better than anyone else on the planet. So the growing opportunities obviously are there, but give yourself a little bit of grace and, and compassion too, because if anybody's going to get you, it's going to be her. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's something about a mother-daughter relationship that just... Exactly. Is... Exactly. It's not supposed to be smooth all the time. And as yeah. much as you learn to grow, you're still going to have those little bumps. And I think I've mentioned this once before. Um, Buddha says the path to growth has lots of blocks because that's how we grow, you know, yep. and, and that's true with you and, and Maya. Yes. But um, it is kind of funny when, when I can be there on the outside and listen to you guys. I'm just like, Yeek. Well, because she's very saucy, uh-huh. you know, she's very direct and he's a sassafras. <laughs> She's just, you know, very firm and I am very wishy-washy, you know, and, and wishy-washy isn't the right word. I'm very flowy, right? I, I go with, I, I, I'm in the moment, but, but that doesn't jive with my control. So I think I need to do some more unpacking of some of yeah, this definitely stuff. Some, so pull off some of those layers of that onion for sure. <laughs> Well, today um, we are so excited to have this guest and she and her husband um, 
have an institute and what they concentrate on is uh, conscious relationships. So I was thinking about a definition and I'm like, I think I need to break it down because conscious relationships is a little too abstract for me. So I did a definition for conscious and for relationships. So for conscious, the definition is aware of and responding to one's surroundings, knowing something exists or is happening. And then a relationship is the way two or more people or groups regard and behave toward each other being connected so i thought that was kind of a cool segue into us talking about uh, conscious relationship hello everybody it is working yes we are so excited to say this and i will tell you that uh, we have had a very interesting week when it comes to our podcast because last Sunday on Sunday we recorded and um, you know we we had a moment of humanness what didn't you call it yeah I would say that um, we're human and things happen and <laughs> and okay so we <laughs> had this guest on and it was this guest I don't know if you know who wrote the big leap uh, his name is Gay Hendricks, and I had courted him and his wife. Um, they are both incredible uh, teachers and speakers and authors. They wrote a book about 40 years ago about how they have a conscious relationship. They run a, an entire um, school that has all different sorts of program about conscious living and conscious loving and relationships. And finally, Katie agreed to record with us. So we're all sitting here, and we're so excited, and we're recording the episode, and it is popping, and it, the energy is great. And all of a sudden, Lynn starts looking at me funny. Because we're on Zoom. Yeah, we're on Zoom. So I'm like, well, what's up? And, um, and she's just got this look, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what that look means. And so anyhow... What was happening on your end at that moment? Well, I had noticed... So when you're listening on your computer, what you hear isn't always what is getting recorded. But it seemed like her microphone was a lot lower than our sound level. So I was trying to get her attention when we had a stopping point to pause so that we could look at her levels. But I was, like, giving her a very intense look. So so it wasn't... I, I was having a sound issue. But because she was looking at me, I noticed something. Yeah, and, and when... Um, she, so Katie's talking, you know, and I'd ask a question and I'm very engaged, but meanwhile, Vicki and I have got like this little eye conversation going on. And then I saw the red light pop up on the screen. Yeah. The recording. Oh, Cause it hadn't man. been there before. Yeah. Because I wasn't recording. I was so nervous and so excited to interview Katie Hendricks that we were interviewing her and I forgot to hit record. So we had a great conversation. It was kind of a little warm-up. Yeah, like a 20-minute warm-up of an amazing, incredible contact, content that will never be uh, repeated again. It was just for our ears only, and that's just how it was meant to be. Well, and the cool thing was, um, I told Vicki, I said, give me a couple of days, and then I'll listen to it. So I just listened to it, and what I realized was that I don't recall what we talked about beforehand, and the content is still so powerful, and there's just so much cool stuff in there, because she's so passionate and energetic about what she does so um it really was the way it was supposed to be yeah you know what we say we say this all the time things work out exactly the way they're supposed to 
this I think was definitely a great example. And it's also an example of us being human and telling on ourselves. And, you know, if we ever appear to be flawless in our recording. Oh, I'm sure we don't. <laughs> I don't I think we have to put that caveat on there. We tell first thought wrongs every week. <laughs> so I think they know our imperfections. Exactly. And again, we have a fantastic editor. So <laughs> shout out. Shout out every week to TZ. He's so, got his hands full this week. Oh, he does. And we're going to set the table here. Uh, Lynn's going to ask the question to to you all, and um, the the episode will start uh, with Katie answering this right. question. So they have uh, her and her husband have the Hendrix Institute, and they do a bunch of seminars, classes, workshops, etc. And they have kind of these tenets that they follow for their conscious, loving relationships. So one of the questions I asked was recognizing and shifting your personal upper limit patterns, the way in which you've unconsciously learned to stop your expansion and to enjoy more love and positive attention every day. I was asking her what that means and how do they work with that. And then it starts. All right. Enjoy the rest of the episode. We love you a lot. More quickly than others. And so our, for thousands of years, we've been responding more to what's wrong. And it's only been in the last maybe 100, 150 years, we've had the luxury to be able to consider life beyond survival. Um, we've, as humans, we've sort of messed it up uh, in this last couple of hundred years, but the, the potential is for us to be able to expand our capacity to enjoy the given flow of energy and to then integrate. So what people usually do is they get closer and then they mess it up and they feel bad. It's what we call the upper limit roller coaster. So you're feeling good, you criticize, or you forget an agreement, or you, um, uh, you withhold something that you're actually feeling. And those then bring the energy back down. And the thing is that people don't realize is that you're bringing it down to your baseline. And so our, our job over our lifetimes is to raise our baseline and to be, begin to recognize our own upper limits behavior. So like one of mine is I bump into things. So when, when I've expanded beyond my ability to enjoy, I literally would bump into things because my body boundaries were uh, had expanded beyond my perception of them. And so the... What we are, are saying is notice the drift and make the shift. So, but what most people do is they notice the drift and then they beat themselves up for drifting. And then they get into a whole criticism, uh, you know, feeling bad, uh, getting depressed. Um, and, and instead of that cycle, you could simply just notice the drift. Oh, okay. I just noticed that I was distracting myself rather than completing that conversation with you, you know, about what I'm really feeling. And you make the shift. What's really going on is that I felt angry when you said that thing about me leaving the meeting early. And I, I feel scared to say that to you, but that's where the shift occurs. And we can make that one choice at a time. So regardless of what has occurred in your life, you can step into a commitment to expand your ability to give and receive more love every day. That's my basic mantra in life is that my intention is to, on a daily basis, 
expand my ability to both give and receive. And here's one of the things I've noticed about people in recovery is that they're great givers and not such good receivers. So I, I, I encourage people who are have a tendency also to drift and then beat themselves up. And then that just adds to the spiral. Uh, and then eventually all you need to do is to make that choice, but it just seems so simple. It just couldn't possibly be that simple. And so that's also part of the upper limit problem. And we say that you can trade in all of your problems for this one because they really all have that at the base. And the upper limit problem, I think, has at its base to the, the, the learning that there's something fundamentally wrong with you. And I think that a lot of people... Uh, when they are uncovering, they're afraid that that's what they'll find out, that they're basically <laughs> completely flawed and, you know, your mother was right. And uh, the, those, you know, rather than, oh, that's the choice that I made. Oh, that was the result. So I'm going to complete that and handle what happened there. And now I'm going to be making new choices. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so many things, but, um, so I've been trying to be more disciplined about my meditation practice. And what I'm learning is through this mindfulness of it's as simple as doing a 10 minute meditation and your mind wandering and you just notice it with curiosity and with love and bring it back. Yes. So expanding on that idea. That's, that was like, and all the times that I have been ha happy, happy, happy. And then something happens. I was subconsciously hijacking it because I was afraid to be, have a confrontation. Yes. Yeah. So the thing that you're afraid of, and it's very often what I have found is I say something and the other person has a feeling, they have a reaction to what I'm saying. And that's what I don't want to handle. I don't want to handle that they're mad or that they're sad or disappointed. Uh, and so I just, you know, I just won't say it. And then everything goes underground and sabotages the relationship. So almost always in when there's a difficulty in relationship, there's something hasn't been said, something hasn't been felt and or there's an agreement that has been broken. So those are the three places that I look. It's like, okay, what have you been concealing? You know, what agreement did you make that you broke? And what feelings are you not willing to feel yourself? Because then that's often I'll prevent my partner or my friend or my colleague from feeling those because I don't want the reverberation. I don't want to feel that in myself. So the, the, Getting friendly with feelings and especially with fear, I think, is our big gateway to being able to just enjoy more aliveness and more choice. I also had one thing I just wanted to reflect back to you. I heard you all using try, the word try. Yeah. So if someone says to me, I'm, you know, like back in the days when we had parties, you know, when people could come to each other's houses yeah. and, uh, and I, we'd have a party and, and someone would say, I'll try to make it. I would take them off the list. Because try let, lets me know that there hasn't really been a choice. And I think it also um, communicates that there's, that I'm an improvement project. You know, I'll try to. So it means I, I'm not quite a whole person, but I'm going to try. I'll do better. And um, I like to look at myself and other people as evolving works of art rather than improvement projects. But that's a really tough one for people to let go of because there's so much 
juiciness in trying to improve each other and, you know, and, and uh, considering each other as, uh, you know, you're okay, but, you know, I think if you just let me criticize you some, you, you would get better. So what I've, what I've disciplined myself to do is over the years, if I start to say try, I realize, okay, what am I, what's my choice here? And I can say, I'm going to choose to learn how to keep my agreements, or I'm choosing now to reveal to the people I really care about. And I realize, oh gosh, you're not one of those people. And then there's this whole, you know, then I deal with what's real that the other person might say, well, I, and, and, but I'm willing to commit to being real and make that more important than my fear of the other person's reaction. I think what I have used that for when I say try is it's wrapped in humility. And I'm so concerned about being humble and grateful Right. So see, that's like, okay, I'm, I'm still an improvement project, but it's also, I think a way that we keep ourselves from being criticized. So I'm, I'm not fully developed yet. So, um, so be nice to me. (laughs) And it's like this thing about making a commitment, you know, it's like this commitment to ourselves to be, just simply be. And I to be tell, tell you guys that, um, I just started recording this interview when Lynn asked you that question. You, <laughs> I missed the whole beginning of the interview. And as you were talking about what you were talking about was this thing we beat up on ourselves, okay? And we get mad and we get, you know, we feel bad and we feel dumb. And, and you know, I that as you were talking through that, I was able to be like, well, it just wasn't supposed to be recorded that way. And it's okay. And the flow of what's happening is beautiful. And I'm actually just kind of, that's what it is. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And that's what happened. And um, and what I like to add at that point too is, hmm, yeah, I wonder, is there anything for me to learn here? And, you know, and if there is, then, then I do. Um, you know, and, um, you know, and I just, well, that happens. Stuff happens. <laughs> yep. yep. Stuff happens. It's, um, it's, it's just incredible how quickly, like, I, I literally felt that chest. You know how we all get our, we all get a feeling somewhere differently, right? Is it, you know, and it, for me, it's in the chest. It's like, oh, geez, what just happened? Um, but I also was able to come down from it at the same time. So, Thank you. <laughs> Maybe can I quickly say, turn up the gain on your microphone? Is that better? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Since, since we're <laughs> starting over. Okay, so where do we want to start then? Well, I think we could just continue. Bree, do you have any questions? Should we just so, introduce Katie again and we can do the beginning part on our own? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So, hey, everybody. Uh, We are thrilled today to have a very special guest, Miss Katie Hendricks. And she is absolutely phenomenal. We've been able to talk with her for for a bit now. And um, and she's able to share some guidance on conscious relationships and really staying out of fear. So, uh, So thank you for being here. My pleasure. 
We are so excited to uh, talk to you about so many cool things. As Vicki said, fear is a big one. And um, we had a little prep time to kind of <laughs> solidify what we wanted to talk about. But one of the things that I would love to talk with you, um, so you guys do all these seminars and uh, workshops and books, and you have kind of like your tenets of a loving, conscious relationship. And another one that really uh, jumped out at me was, and I'm losing my notes now, hang on, was um, listen to your rhythm and strive for balance. Oh, thank you so much for bringing that one up. Because uh, one of the keys to relationship that Gay and I didn't realize until we had been together for a little while is that each relationship in, in relationship, and this is with friends as well as romantic partners, is that we have what we call an urge to merge and an urge to individuate. And uh, so um, in our colloquial, when we do seminars, we call those two people glommers and splitters. And glommers, you can try out being a glommer by just hugging yourself and saying, I love to be close. I love to be close. And some people go, yes, yes, yes. And some people will go, ah, you know, ew. And then splitters, if you put your arms out to the sides and you say, I must have my space, I must have my space. And you feel like, yes, that's where I land, that you have a preference for individuation. And what causes so much havoc in relationships is that people don't know the signals, their own signals about whether they want to get close or whether they want to get separate. And they use criticism and uh, conflict in order to get space, but you actually aren't getting space, you're just creating distance. So actually being able to say, you know, I just have been having such a great time with you, but I can feel a little irritation around, just around my face. And I think I'm gonna just go and take a walk and have a little bit of solo time. And we've worked with people who have, Actually, I can remember this one couple who had never spent any time apart. And so when they came to us, they were, you know, they were, <laughs> they were pretty tied up because they, the whole, ah, what's my experience of just me and me being in the world and getting energy directly from the universe rather than from each other. So ongoing, we say that the, the dance of relationship really is the dance of getting close and getting separate. And it's a dynamic balance. It's not static. It changes over time, both for you, but also in the in the journey of the relationship, there can be whole times where there's really just a lot of unity and dancing together. And then there are times of, you know, I'm really interested in this course that I'm taking and I'm really interested in this. And what we recommend for people when they're in individuation phases is to make their, it's like you're both in a meadow. You wanna make the enclosure big enough so that both of you can roam around and have your own individual lives and still be connected. And so that's something that is actually um, very fun to create. But what gets in the way of that is our mythology about relationship, which is that you're just, you're locked in two-step. You know, people say, how's your other half? How's your better half? So you, instead of becoming a whole person, you become a half. And all of our uh 
the relationship mythology that shows up on social media and shows up in in uh, rom coms and all, it's very primitive. That um, you know the stereotypes about relationship still come through. That um, if you know you you have your fun now because when you get in a relationship you have to compromise and you're not ever going to be able to get have everything you want. So do that now because once you get in a relationship, it's really all over after that. And it's still. You know, through we wrote Conscious Loving 30 years ago, and it's still just now beginning till people are beginning to say, oh, I can have myself and I can be in a relationship. And I think one of the most wonderful things in the world is to be able to be completely yourself in the presence of somebody else. And that's what I've enjoyed with gay for many, many years now. But what we had to go through was particularly letting go of blame and criticism uh, as a way of generating juice. Because a lot of people have what gay calls a wargasm. They create a lot of conflict and then that substitutes for actual intimacy. And so letting go of shifting from blame and criticism into appreciation and presence with each other uh, is really one of the big shifts that you can make at any time in life, but it makes a huge, huge difference in uh, being able to uh, enjoy that dynamic balance of unity and separation. It's also kind of the bellows of the relationship. It's the engine of the relationship. If you're really honoring your own individuation and unity phases, then that gives you that gives you more flow for uh, for your creating your relationship with positive energy rather than recovering from something that each of you did. So question, when there's one person in the relationship that is in that flow and that wants that flow and they want, they want to invite that into the relationship, but let's say that the other person in the relationship is kind of averse to it or not, not comfortable. How do you recommend they, they integrate this into their lives? Well, that not comfortable is code for fear. So we have a lot of code words for fear. But uh, what I would what I would be looking at first of all is whether people are willing to befriend their fear. We have a very primitive relationship to fear, and mostly it's a bounce off. And people think, "Oh, that's fear." Well, you just you know don't pay any attention to that. But when when I'm in fear, you become the enemy. And that happens in a part of my brain that I have no conscious access to. And when I'm in fear, then because you're the other, I can do anything I want to because you're not like me. And so that's where that separation and the conflict often comes from. But I've developed things called fear melters. And I have a whole section on our Foundation for Conscious Living website that's called Unlocking the Fear Code. So I really recommend that you're that your viewers go and visit that and take a look. There are videos, there are all kinds of free resources that are intended to help you, for example, learn what your fear signature is. Because people don't realize there are four expressions of fear. So when I'm in fear, I can be fighting, I can be fleeing, I can be freezing, or I can be fainting. And I can be doing those in combination. So my fear signature is first I freeze, 
and then I faint and then I fight. And so to the other person, it just looks like, Whoa. but I know having explored it that I, I first go, and then I faint, get overwhelmed and confused. And then I fight. And when I'm able to do fear melters, which are very simple movements that shift me from fear to presence. And then from presence, I can connect again. I can connect with me. I can connect with the other. And so being able to just say, I feel scared is a huge uh, opening that drops us into intimacy again and to being able to actually share the space in presence with another. So that's the first thing I would do is, is befriend the fear. And then I want to let you know that that is the most common question that we get wherever we go. It is like, I want to change and my partner doesn't. I want to grow and my partner doesn't. And so there are a couple of different responses to that. The author Thaddeus Golas, who uh, wrote The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment, which is a wonderful little book. One of the things he talked about is when you have a difference of vibration, that you know either the person will come to your vibration or they will pull you down to their vibration or you will split. And so that's actually often what we have seen in this kind of dichotomy because, and it, it I, you know, it is tragic. It's very um, sad. We've seen that in lots and lots of relationships where one person just simply, you know, isn't willing to. It's, you know, I'm not willing to change, you know, I kind of, I'm comfortable here. I'm sort of comfortably numb, you know, if you, as Pink Floyd would say, and I'm not willing to wake up because waking up involves dealing with things that feel uncomfortable, hearing other people say things that you've got, oh, you don't want to look at. It really is like cleaning house and opening up those closets because uh, love actually shines the light on the areas of your life that you haven't been able to, to really give attention to. And so we think that love, it, we think that means that love is wrong but it actually is working that it's bringing to the surface things that we were not able to look at on our own. And so one of the functions of, of close relationship is to give us the opportunity to reclaim aspects of ourselves that we had to hide earlier in life. You know, like I, I had to hide the, the, the fact that I, uh, and the, the aspect of myself that was very, you know, loves poetry, loves to be alone, uh, you know, loves to be with animals, loves to bring home all of the strays, you know, cause, uh, you know, cause what I got from my family was you're just too sensitive. You've got to toughen up. And so we try to, you know, shape ourselves rather than, Ah, declaring, you know, this is who I am. And so when we get into partnership, our partners can show us aspects of ourselves that we haven't claimed. And not necessarily something that's bad or wrong, but some aspect that we're kind of nervous to let people see that we actually are that magnificent. Right. You know, that makes me think of is uh, the law of attraction. So if we are single, as Vicki and I are, 
and we're thinking about potential partners because uh, Brie actually mentioned this last week we did a, a Valentine's Day thing on relationships our episode and she talked about how she had written a list of the things that were important for her and a partner and manifested and she's now engaged and I think about that and I'm like oh it's kind of hokey but it's not hokey at all it really is setting our boundaries and our non-negotiables which yes. I read is very important in your relationship building very important. I so appreciate you mentioning that. So in our, we have a book from years ago called Attracting Genuine Love, and we have programs on our, our website, uh, Hearts in Harmony, because we have all kinds of online programs. And one of the things that's so important for uh, when you're single and wanting to attract a partner is what we call your three absolute yeses and your three absolute noes. And the three absolute yeses are the things that you just must have. You know, the things you're not willing to negotiate. Uh, so in a partner, one of the things that was very important to me is uh, someone who uh, who takes responsibility, who genuinely understands and takes responsibility. And another one is um, a person who has a great sense of humor. And so gay has both of those and much beyond that. But when I, you know, when I was meeting people, those were sort of behind there. I hadn't really quite brought them forward so that I was conscious of them. But I find that that especially people in recovery are not as experienced at their three absolute no's. So uh, those are ones I really encourage people to get like, I'm willing to say no if this is not happening. So for me, one of my absolute no's is someone who is, is unkind to animals. So if someone's unkind to animals, to me, that's a deal breaker. Um, so someone who is actively involved in an addiction, that's a deal breaker. Uh, and so, and also someone who is more committed to criticism and hiding than they are to revealing. So I think it's really important for someone to really sit down with yourself and say, what are the three things that just light me up that I want to have in my daily life? And what are the three things that if I see it, it's a deal breaker. And it's so efficient because when you see that you can go, Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know that, you know, <laughs> better now than later. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I think in recovery, this, this whole idea of, um, building ourselves and in, in the adventure of finding ourselves and discovering who we really are because we've been hiding for many years under the influence most of the time and, and, and anesthetizing all that stuff. And, and I think that we get to create this. We get to create the relationship. We get to create ourselves and we get, I'm so grateful that I've been able to find myself in recovery before I found my partner. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've dated a couple times and it, and it didn't go well. And, you know, we make a joke a lot in the program about your picker's broken, your picker's broken. Yeah, we, we'd make that same joke. He's got a bad picker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it, it's so funny, but I really do. I have this, this, this feeling of, I know I'm okay and I'm whole and that's going to, that's going to work out however it's going to work out. And I'm not trying to conform to be something that I think is attractive to men. You know, <laughs> I'm just being in me or something. I don't know. There's been a shift and I, and I, and, and I'm grateful for it. And I also am 
I'm kind of, and Lynn and I talked about this before, I kind of like my aloneness, you know? So, so there's there's this, um, I'm used to, you know, I have my system and it works and I'm okay with it. And so it'll be interesting to see how to integrate love because I do want love because that love is the most beautiful thing in the world and partnership and collaboration and all that jazz is just lights me up. Right. So I think that, I don't know, it's just fascinating to see the change inside. Yes, the change. That's one of the big, uh, one of the, I think one of the big directions that that we encourage is that when there's a when there's a wobble or a hassle, the first move is to go hmm with curiosity, not hmm like what you do now, but hmm, the, the hmm sound actually shifts you from critical brain to wonder brain. So if you go, hmm, okay, how am I co-creating this? So hmm, hmm, how am I contributing to this? And also the hmm, what is there for me to learn here? So those are the taking responsibility moves and when you do that, just to, to say again that that's actually reclaiming your creativity, that when you take responsibility, you're, you have the opportunity to use your creativity consciously to make choices rather than simply reacting like a ping pong ball. And that's what a lot of relationships are. It's just until somebody gets exhausted. And when I have taken responsibility, then something opens up where I just that shift that you were mentioning is that I experience myself as whole. And I think that's the big difference. Because when we, in, in our relationship work, we've talked about responsibility is two 100%. It's not one 100% that you divide up the pie and try to decide, well, I've done my part, but what about you? What's your... Uh, which is so often what goes on in relationship that you are each completely whole people and you're joining your wholeness to create a playground where both of you can be both individuals and you can be in unity with each other in that ongoing dance that we call the relationship dance. Yeah, that um, just the idea of taking away the splitting, the dividing up of responsibilities, take that out of the the equation, that that to me is like a total paradigm shift, you know, completely. I agree. Yeah. And it it continues to be. And here's the other thing about responsibility. And one of the reasons I'm talking so much about responsibility is our whole nation needs this right now. We need to know how to do this is that I'll be the responsibility is not a place or that I land. It's it's really a choice, an action, and that I'm going to be provided then with my next learning about responsibility. And I find that if I'm interested and curious, I can keep being more and more able to respond rather than react. And then the whole world opens up my, and that's the direct tie with creativity because creativity is so juicy and creativity can then become more juicy than adrenaline because so many relationships are based on adrenaline. 
you know, what I was mentioning about the wargasm, that people have conflict, conflict, and then, you know, they'll, you know, there'll be a, uh, you know, and then often people sexualize that. And uh, you can see that particularly in James Bond movies. That, you know, if you, <laughs> anytime he has sex with a woman, I go, uh-oh, she's going to die. And the next thing, then she does. And, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny, but not that, right. uh, that right. we need something juicier than adrenaline. Because adrenaline, we get habituated to it. It's a short-acting drug that's not renewable. And so we need to escalate. We need more. And so that's why people get, you know, more conflict and more demanding and more critical because they're getting the adrenaline juice. And the only thing I found that's more juicy than adrenaline is creativity because it comes out of the same faucet as all of your feelings, your sexuality, your creativity. And so if you open that, you unkink the hose of that, you get to have that juiciness all the time and you don't have to depend on anybody else for it. So you become a source of aliveness, not a consumer. And you choose. And you choose and you're able to choose because that's actually responding rather than reacting out of those habitual patterns that we've all learned. So I think that's the big evolutionary shift that people are needing to make. Well, and something that we do in the program. Oh, go, go ahead, Bree. Yeah. I mean, I just have a question. This is, this Mm -hmm. is so amazing and profound. Um, Being in a relationship myself, I feel like I can sometimes catch myself acting and reacting because of my ego. And I have that thought, okay, this is my ego. Something's getting triggered here but I'm with a partner that's not ever connecting those two things. What advice, um, like what tools in that moment, in that situation, can one partner use to elicit that? Or is it just really nothing I can elicit from them? It's something they have to come to. Um, like I, my partner does want to grow, but he, he's not quite there he's yet. He's not as experienced as you. He w- he would never be able to stop in the moment and be like, oh, my ego, like I, I'm reacting yeah. off of ego. Yeah, well, here's what I found. One, you have basically no control over anybody else's actions, <laughs> period. And, <laughs> and the sooner that you learn that, the more happy your relationships are going to be. And what I found is that the most powerful thing is to speak from my own experience of what's actually going on. And that as I share, um, it's what I call matching, that what I'm saying is congruent with what I'm experiencing. Like when I heard you saying that, I felt my, I just felt my mm. body kind of deflate and I can feel some sadness. And I also, I want to tell you what I want, but I feel scared to do it. So I'm I'm sharing myself openly, and that has so much more impact than me trying to get you to share. So we say, you know, when when hmm. uh, one of our students went home and and to visit her parents, and she came back, she was a student of Buddhism, and she said, "I realized that when I when I talked to them about Buddhism, they didn't pay any attention, but when I acted like the Buddha, they got it." Hmm. So our presence and how we show up has so much more impact than, uh, you know, us trying to get other people to change. We call that attraction rather than promotion. Yes, 
attraction so. rather. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes from congruency and that and from taking responsibility. Yeah, one wow. of the things we say a lot in the rooms is, um, I want what you have when you find like when you're looking for a sponsor per se. And and which is a very important relationship, which 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 is honestly the first place I was ever really able to communicate and what you were talking about earlier about receiving love. I was able yes. to give love. Yes. And I was able to receive love for the first time, I think really consciously in my life with my first sponsor. And yeah. what happened there was this beautiful um, letting go. Like I, I took off the armor, I took it off, right? And it's because I wanted what she had and I trusted her and I believed her. So all these things that are you are saying just make so much sense in mm-hmm. who I really like to find myself around. Like these two women in my life, we have a very open, honest relationship and and we're all our own individual people and doing a podcast is no joke right you really have to be in relationship and figure things out and I'll tell you when we're honest with each other we are in that energy like you were talking about that that um urge to to unite in the yes urge to merge and urge to individuate I love it I love it it's so cool I'm I'm like (laughs) my mind is blowing (laughs) (laughs) so amazing well, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you and, so um, much, Katie. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been just a total joy. And I love the energy that you all share together. And uh, um, I'm going to um, I want to send you the name of a, another person who's a friend of mine whom I think you would love to collaborate with. Okay, well, good. Well, thank you so much for being here. We'll thank you. All the links to all things Katie and Gay Hendricks in our show notes. And um, we're just so glad to have you. Try both. Oh, well, yeah, well, it's been delightful. All right. Well, take care and until we meet again. Okay. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Telling on Ourselves. You can please rate, review, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or any of your podcast platforms. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook or Instagram at Telling on Ourselves.